0: Hey Dreamers, this is Devon. You can visit me over at devonmusic.com. Look out for my new project, Donnie Darko, coming out soon. Keep on dreaming with the Dreamers Podcast.
1: Hey Dreamers, I'm Joe Pardo and I am so happy to be joined by my boy Matt Borelli over here.
2: Hello Dreamers.
1: (laughs) So, uh, let's see. Later on in the episode, I have this awesome it's a uh, quite a long interview actually with this guy Danny flood who runs open world magazine uh we had a really awesome conversation so I'm looking forward to you guys hearing that later on in the episode but uh for now let's uh there's there's actually quite a bit happened this week for me so uh let's let's get in that but well before we get into that matt uh how was your how was your week
2: yeah it was good it was interesting actually uh Spending some time with my father, he, we uh started picking up uh, and playing chess again, which we hadn't done in years. And I think a part of it was he just saw me playing chess on the PS3. He's like, oh, I'd like to try that. Hey, you were so... playing
1: chess on the PS3?
2: Yeah. And he, he walked in and saw me and was like, oh. It's like
1: Chessmaster 9000 or something?
2: No, it's not that
1: good. <laughs> no, <I> mean, <laughs> it's not it's... that good.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, the AI is not, it doesn't get as complex as in Chessmaster. But no, it's more than fair enough. They still gonna... make
1: Chessmaster? Is that still a thing? No,
2: they stopped making it. Uh, I forgot what the version was. A couple of years ago, it was, um, I forget. Yeah, no, they no longer produce them. That, uh, Yeah,
1: well, That's a shame.
2: I guess the market fell out. <laughs>
1: <I don't know. laughs> yeah, well, video games got a lot more complex. Uh, but, no, so. yeah,
2: it's it's still good. Yeah, he's uh, he's still a challenge. And, uh, yeah, it was a good way for us to connect. And uh, it was fun. I forgot, Wait, I'm a ba- or your dad? Well, both. <laughs>
1: oh, okay. Well, I mean, good. Yeah. You said still good. I, yeah. I wasn't sure if you were talking about the game.
2: Yeah, no, you know, it's we uh we don't spend a whole lot of time together, but you know, this is something we both enjoyed and we just, you know, kinda of fell out of practice and uh it was neat and it's always fun playing against an a human opponent as opposed to the computer.
1: Yeah. You know, yeah,
2: yeah. A little more unpredictable.
1: Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um well that that's cool. Yeah, yeah, it's been a long time since I played chess, but uh definitely would like to get back to doing that at some point. Oh well, yeah, we'll have to we'll
2: have to get a game together.
1: Yeah, I have a nice board uh, in the in the closet or in the cabinet over there. So at some point we'll have to have to do that. Um, so yeah, so this this past week, uh, let's see, I launched the new SuperJoePardo dot com. Uh, it was great, except for I ran into a problem where people couldn't um, download the newest episodes of Dreamers Podcast if you were already subscribed to uh, the feed. So we ran into that problem, which. Uh, t- I, I had to come up with a, a creative way to get it to work again, but now if you go to how to it no longer takes you right to dot It actually takes you there to the old site without the newest episodes, but there's like Actually, I used the hey, listen, Um, so it's a fairy from, uh, Le- uh, was it The Legend of Zelda?
2: Right, Zelda 64. Zelda yeah.
1: 64, and it, it says like, hey, listen, and it's like, <laughs> it's big, and it's in a red background, and across the top it says, you know, Dreamers Podcast has moved to superjoepardo.com, click here, uh, at the bottom it says the same thing, like, there's plenty of like, hey, go to this site instead. Uh, but, you know, because the other thing is search results, right? That that was the other thing was I don't want to lose the search results that I'm getting um, in the meantime while I transition people over to, to the new site. So uh, other than that, though, the the, the the site has gone well. I've done some writing, did, did some article writing, gotten some shares, gotten some likes, gotten some people uh, commenting about it. So So that's always positive. I really enjoy enjoying having an outlet for, like on a site that's actually fast, where my old site was just kind of like really slow because it, there, it just wasn't optimized and stuff like that. And it's, now it's all fancy and stuff like that. So you know, it, it's really great to have have that uh, outlet in a site that that's worth sharing to people and set up for people to to share out. So that's that's awesome. Um, yeah. Let's see. Then, so I was supposed to go to New York uh, on on Saturday or Sunday. I was supposed to have some friends come down Saturday, but Melissa wasn't feeling up to it, so. We, we told them to wait, plus a couple of weeks from now they'll be um, they can come down and, and Ava will be here so right. so that's really you know they should come for that, yeah. right <laughs> uh, which it would be great and and then so the, the person I was or the one or two people I was going to go see up in New York. Uh, unfortunately, I wasn't able to go do it because something came up, so I was like, okay, I have all this time on Saturday. What should I do? And I was talking to my boy, Mike, and I was like, you know, I, I really want to, um, I want to do like this upgrade to my system, like my computer system and how I have things laid out. And it just came to my mind that like, I have all this stuff up in the attics. Like we have, um, we have three attics in this house, right? One over the main house and then one over the, the garage and then one over the, the add on garage. There's a lot, a lot of stuff um old computer mostly old computer parts games uh I, I, like mostly old computer parts hmm. so because i apparently and and you had said this um that, that you underestimated how many systems i've computers i've built over the years
2: yeah until we saw them all laid out i just you know i didn't realize because uh i'd <laughs> be like what 12 down there at least maybe They've all, you know, but they all got use, but not recently.
1: Yeah, no, recently it ha- they haven't gotten use. So, you know, they weren't paying rent. Um, but part of me was like, okay, so I have all this stuff, and I could sell it, and that's awesome. Uh, but there is a lot of stuff. Like, we had to move boxes and boxes and but bo- like the whole garage. So, if you uh, right now I'm just, of course we're live streaming on Facebook Live as I like to do. And if you're not watching me on Facebook Live on Monday. You should uh, follow me on Facebook or friend request me on Facebook, and we, you know, you can come join us on Monday mornings when I sit here with Matt and uh, and we chat about this stuff. So I was like, okay, uh, let's let's do this. But I was like, because the other thing, the other reason was, uh, we we upgraded our stairs to the attic. Before we had the rickety stairs, it was like, is it gonna fall? Are you gonna fall? Are you gonna die? Break your neck? I I don't know. And it's right next to the stairway, so like you could totally fall off those stairs and like bust through the uh the uh, it's not a fence, what is it? Um, the railing, the the banister, the banister or whatever, and like fall down the 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 flight of stairs. So it, it, it was not it was a not a good situation. So about I don't know six months or a year ago. I mean, it was less than a year ago but like 6 months or so ago we decided hey we want to fix these stairs cuz it's this not safe so they actually uh my my guy uh bob installed metal stairs so now it's like boom it's like nothing it comes down goes up it's there's no question that it's stable um and we have a floor upstairs thanks to my awesome wife putting uh nailing wood down like years and years and years ago at this point up there so so I was like okay so i want to take this you know i want to take this space and I want to get some shelves and we could use it. But the thing is there's a lot of boxes and like trash bags of stuff up there. We gotta I gotta get this cleaned up. So Mike came over on Saturday morning uh, and we I started well. I before we even got here, I laid out tables across the, the the garage. And if you go on my Facebook, you can actually check my Facebook live video where I was admitting that you know I have not been keeping up with my everything pays rent. Um, I I try to do that when with my workspace, but the thing is, that sometimes we shove things up in in areas that just kind of get they're just there, right, and they they stay up there uh and it's not in your way so you don't really think about it and then i had stuff like in one of our spare bedroom closets that that was kind of like, "Oh, eh, well, i use this stuff sometimes, but it's not really well organized. It's not it's not great. It's not a great situation." And with uh setting up uh Ava's nursery, i really needed to like move more stuff out of that room and put it into this little closet, this half clo- like this one it's like a single closet instead of a double wide closet. And, and that really, um, that really stunk. So the room was a mess. Everything needed to be, needed to be fixed, uh, fixed up. So Mike came over, We st- I, I, I had already laid out the tables across the whole garage. I pulled stuff out of that bedroom. I pulled stuff out of here, out of my studio and started moving it into the, into the garage. He came over, we started moving boxes out of the attic, cleared the attic out. Um, and, and then went up into the uh, one of the attics above the garage and pulled stuff out of there, which was mostly old computers up there above the garage, and it was mostly parts in above the house. So we got it all laid out, and Mike really helped me um, not only like pulling the stuff and moving countless boxes to the garage, uh, but he, he you know we whipped we out my laptop and we, he started listing this stuff on Amazon. With me, as I was pull, I was literally pulling parts out of the computer, like you know, scraping off the, uh, like the stuff that's on top or like dust or the um, what's that? The the processor, uh, uh the thermal paste, thermal paste yeah. off like the processors and stuff, mm-hmm. and like he's listing it just at, at the same time as uh as I'm pulling it out. So, uh, and and some of that stuff was like worth. Oh, this is worth like a dollar, <laughs> and I'm like, oh God, really? This sucks. Okay. <laughs> Because by the time Amazon takes their fee, it's like, it's worth nothing. Yeah, which is unfortunate.
2: But, you know, that's true with electronics. They depreciate in value so quickly. And, you know, we we saw, we you know, just even looking on eBay, what people think parts are worth. Okay, yeah, maybe eight years ago when it (laughs) it just came out, you could have gotten that. But have you looked on Best Buy? Have you looked at Amazon? Like, for $20 more, I can get something brand new in the box with a warranty that's eight times faster than what you're selling it's yeah not even worth it for a secondhand part
1: no that's that's very true uh some of those processors were worth were still worth some like 20 30 40 bucks but um you know it's only useful to the person that has that kind of system that can take that processor but that was the only thing worth it like the motherboard like i'm not chipping a motherboard like no. there's it's just there's just no way it's going to make it th- unless i like really pack it but then it's like it's not even probably worth that much to begin with and for for less than 100 bucks you can get a motherboard that has all the brand new standards and it's probably faster or as fast for for less money so uh so yeah so it, 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 it some of that stuff was was a bit surprising um to me but you know so I, I cleared out all the stuff and we i had this whole like wall full of trash like old cases old like computer parts, stuff that just wasn't worth anything or worth the time and effort to ship it. So what I did was uh, I took it I took it over to my dad's place, and he has a, a roll-off container there. So I, I chucked it in the roll-off container. Uh, I filled up Melissa's whole car. I mean, front to back. Like, I couldn't fit anything else in that car um, and, and chucked it all. Not all, like, obviously not all. Because I still have a garage full of stuff that I would either need to go through or, or anything. You know, but for me... Uh, one of the things I, I still need to do, even once I get through and I sell a lot of this stuff off. Um, in fact, I went, I had to go to, um, the post office today to send, uh, five items out that I'd already sold just in a day and a half's worth of time. Uh, for me, it, it's, um, it, 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 like it's sad, right? Cause like, I feel like I, I should have sold some of this stuff before, but, uh, I, you know, I let it build up. Because it's like, oh, it doesn't take up a lot of space. Oh, I could just put it in this box. Or, oh, I could do that with it. And I and I let it build up. And, and I felt guilty, especially since I, I wrote a whole chapter about it in my book about how every – in 31 Concepts, uh, my 31 Concepts books, you can – there's a whole chapter called Everything Pays Rent. So. So I really felt like I was letting not only myself down, but the people I wrote the book down for because I I had all this stuff just kind of like, well, I don't feel like going and getting it. Some of it works, some of it could work if I found the right parts, but then the pricing doesn't work out. Like some of it needed, okay, it needs a power supply. Well, it's a special power supply to fit that specific type case that only one company makes and it's not cheap and i was like this isn't this isn't even for my own system this is for like a backup system for somebody else to use when they come over so um so yeah so it 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 was it was sad uh to get rid of some of that stuff but you know i salvage what i can and we'll see what sells and what doesn't sell we'll just have to get rid of it's it's the circle of life over here
2: (laughs) you know but ultimately you'll feel better i'm just having all this uh extra space and you can actually put it to good use instead of just, you know, having all this, it, not junk, but I mean, like I said, it's not paying rent. So, and, and likely you'll never use any of it ever again
1: at this point. No, I, I will not. And I knew, I knew that going forward, but you know, I, I gotta say though, one of the, um, the hurdles that I, I hate about getting rid of that stuff was e- eBay itself. Um, because <laughs> yeah. you had to pay an eBay fee, then you had to pay the PayPal fee on top of that. And, it, it, you know on some of these items like yeah they're, they're they're worth something you know if it's it's like okay it's worth like a hundred bucks but then by the time you get done you're you're looking at a lot less of, you know between between shipping it when you include shipping and the fees it's like okay well i made like 65 bucks it's like yeah that's still that's still worth it don't get me wrong but it's like unless you have a bunch of those things add like to add up it doesn't it's like is it really worth my time to take that time and now that i have all that stuff laid out uh you know thanks to 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 mike helping me for the most part and then matt came over and bought some stuff and paul came over and uh you know helped out as well you know it's like okay well it, now it's gone or it's getting gone and it's going to continue to be getting gone which is great it's great news because Empty space is space that you can do anything with, right? You can't do stuff if it's all, if there's stuff stacked up and you have to keep moving it. So if it's empty, you can do anything you want with it. And it's just, uh, (laughs) I I just let it get, I just get, let that get uh, too far out of hand. Though I will say cables, for me, cables are always useful. And it doesn't, like depending on the cable obviously, but like what I need to do, and this is what I had to do before was I had to actually go through And I counted out how many of each type of cable that I had. Like how many power cables. How many USB cables. How many uh, RCA cables. How many HDMI cables. And then I'm like, okay, well, I only really need to keep a couple. Like USB cables, I have tons of USB cables. Like coming out the wazoo. But I don't need that many cables, right? Like I'm never going to use that many cables. But I should still have a few on hand, right? Because you never know when you're going to need them. Even if it's mini USB versus micro USB. Like... There's still devices that I'm going to need to charge or things that, like I have new devices that I buy that still come with mini instead of micro or even the old, the old fat style. So I want to be able to keep some of that stuff on hand and keeping one box worth of stuff is a lot better than keeping 20 or 30 boxes with a little bit of stuff in each one. Uh, some of the, you know, it, it, it just gets very hairy. Um but it's it's very I'm I'm very happy that uh that we've done that. Now what we need to do is we need to go through all of our Christmas and our holiday crap that's up there that's up in the attic and go through some of that stuff and, and make some more space. Um but yeah, it's it feels it feels really good. I'm glad to, to be able to do it. And I'm glad to be able to document it and share it on, on Facebook Live.
2: Yeah, it's good, you know, and I didn't realize how much easier it was to sell on Amazon compared to eBay because I've had very little success but then again i'm trying to offload like dvds and like i said for the for what i can realistically charge for it and then the shipping on top of it, it's like eh, it's it's hardly even worth it but
1: yeah so i the, the, well that was the thing i didn't say why amazon is so much better right because mm-hmm. amazon you don't want to take a picture of it so you just search out what it is you hit sell yours you can match the lowest price or you can add up a price you tell the quantity so like one and then the condition so you don't even have to give any condition notes or anything. So it, it's literally three questions. Once you find the product, the exact model of what you're trying to sell, and then you've you've listed it.
2: And Amazon.com president, if you're listening, you can make that check out the cash.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so so it it is a lot easier, and it takes away some of the the hurdles, like having to take a picture of every item and post it, and it just. You know that's not a problem if you have like one or two or three or four or ten things that you want to sell. But when you sure. start like adding up to a lot, and they do, I know, I know, eBay does have like their stock images, but sometimes, like depending on what the item is, they might, they probably don't. Like if it's a Mac Mini, sure they have a stock image because the Mac Mini hasn't changed, but like twice.
2: What do you mean though? I actually prefer somebody does take a photo because you want to see what the condition is. I mean, anybody you know, good, acceptable. Like, what does that really mean? Depending on what the item is. True,
1: but with Amazon, I've like I've already gotten uh, an email from somebody who was like, "Hey, I ordered one of these before, and it was the wrong. It wasn't. It was mislabeled. So could uh you take a photo for me? Yeah, of course. Because you're you're reaching out to me, and we're talking. You know, we're having a dialogue. I mean, that's that's fine. I'm okay with investing, especially since the item that I took a picture of was like four hundred dollars. (laughs) So yeah, I don't mind taking taking a couple minutes out of my time for that one item, but. For, but I, to, to your point, and we were just talking about this on the, uh, when we were driving back uh, from Wawa, the, um, these DVDs and stuff, like some of them might be worth something. Like it's only worth it if it's like become a collector's item, like a real collector's item that has value. Um, a lot of these like, well, you know, if I can go to Best Buy and get it for 10 bucks or I can order on Amazon for 10 bucks, you know, by the time I pay Amazon and shipping, you're looking at like 250 that you know it's like is it you got to sell a lot of those items at that point and on top of that you have to watch because apparently with amazon after i think it's like 55 or 58 items you have to report it to the irs now i mean you should not saying that you shouldn't but but with compared to ebay you can sell up to five thousand dollars a month without and ebay don't care you know, without, without getting any kind of special like account or anything like that for a business. So it is, it is important to keep in mind, like, maybe you shouldn't sell certain items on Amazon because if it's not, you know, you don't want to rack up those 55, you know, 55 items with like $2 things, you know, things you're making $2 at a piece and then have to go, you know, have to go and report it. Like that doesn't make sense. Um, especially if it's, if if it's a whole $10, (laughs)
2: That's true. And, you know, I use the, the lesser example of uh, Steam has the Steam trading cards where you know you play games, you unlock know, the cards, in. and then I have no use for them. But people will you know buy them online, so I'd sell them for like two, three cents here and there, and you know you can put it toward a game or something else. But I got a message from Steam saying, "Oh, you sold uh, a couple hundred items. You know, if you're going to sell any more this year, you must fill out a form for the IRS." I'm like, eh, "Okay." When I and I started to do it, and then I started looking at like the form and all the details needed. I'm like, "You know what? It's just not even worth the hassle, <laughs> honestly." I'll just wait till next year. Yeah, (laughs) it's like such a minimal amount of money. Why? Why would even want to be bothered with it? (laughs) Frankly, it's it's just not worth it to me.
1: Yeah, that's yeah, that's that's a very 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 similar point um about that. So. So, yeah, so that was the big the big thing that's happened to me this week is trying to do like a mass exodus though this morning, Melissa was telling me that apparently this is a thing that people go through right before they're like right before they're about to have a kid. Oh, really, I was like, really? Well, I was like, I just wanted to make up some space in the attic like to put some shelves and maybe you know so we could store some stuff like short term storage like like boxes of diapers up there, right, where it's like we need', them, but do we need to take a closet space for it because they're wrapped in plastic and a box, you know what I mean? Like it could easily just be on a shelf up in the attic versus taking up space in the closet. I mean, so obviously some of them need to be in the closet or in a drawer or whatever, but like, I'm saying like bulk, bulk buying of, of diapers. We need, a, we should have a place for it. And I, we could put it in the garage, but the, we need to go through the garage too. There's, there's some, there's a few things in there that need to need to get gone. But, um, but yeah, so it's, so I, apparently I, I've fallen trapped to um being basic being basic. <laughs> hmm. Yep, that's that's me apparently. Um but hopefully a few bucks richer at the at, you know. <laughs> As you
2: said, <laughs> I mean, you know, I wasn't doing you any good and and frankly, I was surprised how much space you have in that attic. Like once those boxes were downstairs, like man, you got a gigantic attic up here. Yeah. You could do so much with this.
1: Yeah, well if we put we were thinking about putting a dormer up there at some point, but yeah. then, as Mike pointed out, we'd have to get a heat um like there's an air conditioning unit up there, but we'd have to get it we'd have to convert oh, that and sure, get it. Sure, yeah, heat, there's other considerations. Unit. Like there it that's like a whole can of worms yeah. that we don't have to go down that road just yet. But um but yeah, so the so that was the the big thing and uh I'm I'm looking forward to to get my garage back because now it's still covered in tables. But I plan on paring down those tables I don't know about today, but probably in the next couple of days. With by the end of this week I hope to pare those tables down so I can maybe get my car back in the garage so it's not sitting outside.
2: Well, it helped motivate me to clear out some of the stuff in my storage unit. And you know, that that phrase good. is true. Good, good, good. <laughs> and that's the voice I hear in my head every time I'm thinking about adding something else in there. I hear the uh is it paying your rent how much does it cost you to keep it here when's the last time you used it huh huh you
1: huh? could always rebuy it
2: darn it joe <laughs> darn it jiminy cricket
1: uh i try that's
2: um... yeah it's true because honestly it's like okay i'm paying x amount of money to keep it here when it's like what a box of two dollar cables I, I don't even know what half of them are <laughs> they're not labeled <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, that's that's the thing. Well, yeah, I mean that, that, that's the other thing with like cables and stuff. But uh, like I said, it's worth having some on hand because you never know when you're going to need oh, them. Oh, and again, I... if you can fit them all into the one box.
2: I just had an HDMI cable go bad the other day. I'm like, oh, an had had a...
1: HDMI cable go bad?
2: Yeah, I, oddly enough, it's never happened before. But I was oh. like, oh, good thing I got this extra here because so otherwise, be...
1: your first ever <laughs> HDMI cable was like 15 years old and like all twisted up. And... It was, uh,
2: yeah, it was a GE cable and it's. The only GE cable I've ever bought, but I figured GE's a, you know, do some brand, and Yeah, it just suddenly stopped GE working. I actually made it.
1: Well, yeah. <laughs> they probably just slapped it. But I, the I thought
2: it. the hardware went bad. I was having a panic. I was like, oh no, I just, like, did I leave it out in storage for too long? Is it damaged? And it turned out just to just be the cable. I was like, yeah. So,
1: Electro- the a- electronics hold up pretty well, man. They hold up better than most people would give them credit for.
2: Yeah, as long as you take care of them. Yeah, it's like anything else.
1: That's, that's true. So, uh, so yeah, so this this uh, interview coming up uh, in a little bit here is with Danny Flood from OpenWorldMagazine.com. Go check it out. Um, it was a really great interview. I, I hope you guys like it, and uh, I hope you guys have a great week. Um, I you know again, if you're not following me on Facebook, you should be because uh, we're live streaming this on Monday. It goes live on Tuesdays, obviously at eight AM as always. Uh, Matt, thank you again for joining me. It's been it's always been fun.
2: Hey, thanks for having me.
1: Hey Dreamers, this show is made possible by listeners like you. If you love the work that has been done so far, please consider going to howtodream.co slash donate to contribute. Thank you so much for your consideration and support. Today I'm talking with Danny Flood, who is making his dreams come true by inspiring others to live more, do more, and of course, be more. Welcome to the show, Danny.
0: Hey, Joe. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited for this conversation. We had such a great uh, pre-interview conversation, so I'm sure this podcast is going to be great.
1: Yes, yes. It was almost a half hour of talking before (laughs) even getting to this interview, uh, which is always wonderful. Uh, Usually, I like to do it afterwards, though, because um, a lot of times when that happens, it, we, we end up covering a lot of the same topics, but I don't think that's going to be the case here as we were talking more business side stuff than, uh, than, than inspiring stuff and journey stuff. It's a lot of stuff.
0: <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> uh,
1: so Danny, I would love for you to get started by talking about your background and how you got to where you are now.
0: Yeah, sure. So a little bit about me. It just uh, today is January thirteenth, two thousand sixteen. Thanks for um, dating my I've...
1: show. Appreciate it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's January two thousand sixteen, and um, I've been a nomadic since uh, two thousand nine. Where um, after I graduated from university, uh, I had to figure out my life. I wasn't inspired with the uh, default career path. Probably like a lot of people out there. And um, you know didn't really know which direction to go and, and so I just packed everything in a backpack and uh, I' was living out of my car for a while traveling around, uh, working with freelance clients. And um, since then I've, I've traveled to 33 countries now. Um, I'm currently living in Thailand. Uh, everything I own fits into a backpack, so I'm a minimalist. And um, I'm just you know trying to do everything I can, learning everything I can about being an entrepreneur you know and, and just uh, sharing a lot of the things I've learned. I've, I wrote five books last year, published five books last year, and 2016 uh, is going to be an even bigger year. So I'm excited.
1: Wow, man. Okay, so I love the fact that you're a minimalist. Uh, five books. I I did two in one year. Uh, so so kudos to you. I know what that how much trouble they can be uh, to get done and and power through. Um.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like um. You know, there's uh, Sean Ogle says. Sean Ogle of Location 180 says that there's never any kind of straight line to success. So it's kind of like you're swinging between branches like a monkey, you know, to get to where you want to go. And I didn't actually expect to write five books. I kind of put everything I had into this first book, but I still had all this content. And I I learned so much as a result of publishing that book um, that I wanted to write more. And I was originally going to write these books and put them on my website, you know, to get email subscribers. And then I thought, well, you know, I, I know how Amazon works. I'm doing really well on Amazon. So... I'll put everything I have into these books and then put them up on Amazon. And so they they all are are very specific, you know, like, um, I have a lot I could say about that. But I think if you want to learn something really well, you should write a book about it. Because I just wrote my my latest book about this, it's called Hack Sleep. Uh, So I was horrible insomniac, but I did all these experiments and I wrote this book and now I'm I'm considered an expert on it. So, uh, you know, I I could talk more about that, but I'll let you uh, interject. (laughs)
1: <laughs> no, I, I would love to talk more about that. I, on on this show, I, I do enjoy uh, talking about hacks and, and things that people do to be better at what they do. And one of the things that always surprises me about sleeping is, is that it's something that we do every day of our lives, and yet we seem to never really get better at it.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I make that point in the introduction of my book. You know, if, if you're a golfer and you go to the driving range, uh four or five times a week, you know, you're going to improve because you're hitting, you know, 209 irons every week. Uh, but you sleep every single day of the week, yet so many of us, you know, we, we have no control over it because it doesn't respond to willpower. And you can't say, all right, I'm going to sleep really good tonight. And I'm going to focus on that until uh, I fall asleep. You know, it doesn't work. And a lot of the advice out there, you know, I'm, I'm really disappointed by a lot of the advice you see on blogs and publications because it's so generic and it's just, it's, it's journalists who aren't an expert on the topic, you know, and they'll, they'll just interview experts who are, but they'll take, you know, maybe a two-sentence quote from them, and then they'll, they'll spin it to, to kind of make the article go where they want it to, and that doesn't really provide anything, you know, an actual benefit to the end user. So in this book, I try to, you know, actually focus on hacks. Like if you eat pineapple at 5 p.m., that's going to increase your melatonin production. You know, if you get light exposure during the daytime, it's going to increase serotonin. It's going to make you feel more awake. It's going to help you sleep better at night. So I, I actually focus on that in the book and I say, you know, you can use this, 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 and this, and it's going to work.
1: Wow. Well, you know, the other thing I've noticed, um, you know, get trying well, not so much recently because I, I don't go to like a nine to five job or eight to five or eight to eight job anymore, but <laughs> um is 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 working the uh the sleep cycles seems to have, you know, really helped me along in in getting better sleep and actually being able to wake up without an alarm clock you know using an app that calculates how many sleep cycles i want to sleep outwards or what time i should go to bed if i want if i want to wake up at a specific time which is um really kind of cool really to not to not necessarily need that alarm to wake up and that's never a good thing to wake up to like "Er, er, er," right in your ear uh i mean i do it every morning because melissa has to my wife Uh, to go to work but you know it's it's just not a natural way of like gently waking up
0: no it isn't and it's it's really bad because um your sleep cycles last 90 minutes and um if you wake up during the wrong sleep cycle then you're going to be you know you're going to experience that sleep inertia because sleep is essentially a process of moving between brain waves so you go from beta waves down to uh i forget maybe delta waves but they're very slow they're similar to being in a coma and if you wake up while you're in that delta stage, then you're going to wake up, you know, feeling like crap. And it might take you an hour or two hours before you start to feel normal again. Because it, each cycle is 90 minutes long and you have to go down into the bottom and you have to go back up. So whenever you wake up when you're not in a short frequency state, in a short frequency brainwave state, then it's, it's really bad for you. So I, I agree with you that alarms are, are really bad to use. I do use an alarm when I, when I nap uh, because I limit my naps to 30 minutes before I go into that deep brainwave state.
1: Yeah, and you know, I, I try to do the same thing, keep it uh, 20 minutes. Sometimes I won't even take, like, you know, really close my eyes. Just t- to take a nap to just lay down for 10 minutes or so uh, can be enough to get me, get, you know, get back up and, and going again for quite a few hours.
0: Yeah, and I've been wondering about that too. I've been wondering if it's, if it's a psychological effect because are we pining so many thoughts into our head that we're overwhelming ourselves and then when we nap or when we rest for 10 minutes, do we kind of like let those thoughts out of, out of us and so we're ready to start fresh? Because, you know, uh, Freud has done a lot of research on, you know, whether psychologic tension gets purged during sleep. And so sometimes I wonder, you know, I, I, I try to be mindful of my thoughts and think, you know, when I wake up from a nap, like suddenly, like my mind is clear again. And whether I had maybe stress in my mind before that or, you know, carry, something carried over from my work and I, I felt this tension. Um, I find that that rest helps me to purge those psychic tensions as well.
1: You know, I, I, I wonder how much of it's that and versus like, say, um, just getting the the weight and the pressure off of our bodies by laying flat, you know, that, <laughs> that cause, cause think about it, right. Cause like you're, you're either sitting in a chair, like I'm sitting in a chair right now and I, I, I can't see you at the moment, Danny, but I imagine you're probably sitting in a chair. Right? Or are you pacing back and forth, like talking to me on a no,
0: phone? I, I am. <laughs> I am sitting in a chair at the moment, but I'm very anti-chairs. Uh, I, I try to use stand-up desk when I can. Or I knew uh, I knew th- you were
1: going to say that. I, I want to upgrade my desk at some point um, when I get the when I get some more money to a, to an electric one that goes up and down. But
0: <laughs> well, I actually listen to podcasts uh, on the treadmill. You know, I, I'll do like a power walk and um, I'll I'll put the podcast to like. Fast forward at like 150% mm-hmm. and I'll, I'll listen to podcast interviews in the morning, you know, if there's an important podcast I want to listen to and I'll be walking, I'll be exercising. So I'm increasing the oxygen intake to my body and I find that's a great way to start uh, start my day.
1: De- definitely, definitely, um, especially if you're doing it on a regular basis. It, I've always noticed when I stopped doing that for a while and then I had to start up, I'm, I'm usually tired for like the first week uh, for like going into the rest of the day rather than uh, like if I, you know, did it for two or three or four weeks, then I start to get that, that, that energy boost rather than exa- like a bit of an exhaustion, <laughs> uh, first thing. Yeah, exactly. Game. I mean,
0: I think that we, we humans are creatures of habits and, um, you know, if you get off the bandwagon, uh, you're going to experience that resistance, you know, from your body and your mind telling you, I don't want to do this. Uh, but I compare it to a spaceship, you know, as it's about to take off, it expends 90% of its energy in defying gravity. And once you get past that initial takeoff point or like the first week, like you said, uh, then maintaining that habit becomes a lot easier. So I call it habit gravity and escape velocity. So once you make that habit, you push yourself through that discomfort, uh, then it becomes easier and easier. And that applies to any area that you want to focus on.
1: Definitely. And I, I'm all about trying to form habits and uh, you know, obviously even just eating habits, like what is it? It takes like a week to eat less. And once you, once you're past that week mark, it's, you know, your stomach, stomach starts shrinking and, and then it just becomes a lot easier, uh, to, to maintain that. Yes. Um, not to get on the, not to get on weight loss, <laughs> uh, as, as a whole, as a whole topic, but, uh, I do want to get, I'm in. always
0: trying to gain, I'm always trying to gain weight. So I have the opposite problem. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh yeah, I I wish uh, honestly I kind of wish I had that problem instead. Um, I wish I had
0: your problem because then I'd have because I, I want to have that big frame, you know, and then I can just like get lean from there. But I want to have like that mass, you know. I want to have that that mass that says like, "Wow, that guy is you know powerful," or he's you know like. <laughs> <just> like <laughs> so that's an opposite perspective there, you know. But uh,
1: that that's true, know. you know. The the problem is is, is the amount of time <laughs> it takes to make all that happen. You know, it's like I just ran I just ran my second marathon um, just this past weekend. And, you know, I had a wonderful time and, and it was great seeing all these people and all that. But, uh, y- you know, I, I didn't really train much for it. And and I mean, my time wasn't great, but part of the time is is I, I'm more about like I was helping people, other people get to the finish line. Right. I had at the by the end, it was four of us together. Uh, but through most of it, it was, it was me and one other person. And then I I kept seeing, uh, some of my other teammates, you know, coming up and going back, going forward and then coming back. And, uh, it, you know, it's, it's, it's tough, but you know, Hey, if I, if I, I used to weigh a lot less and it was a lot easier to, to run, uh, to run when you weigh less,
0: (laughs) But you uh, you finished, though, right?
1: Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it was it was like 7 hours and 40 minutes, which last year, ironically enough, I did a, something called a Goofy, which is a half marathon on Saturday and then a full marathon on Sunday. And I did a four hours on the half and seven hours on the full. And, yeah, so it was 40 minutes slower. Um, but, you know, what? afterwards, I still felt pretty good. Like, everything was tight and crampy and, you know – um, had I had trained, you know, more than say eight miles on the elliptical, like as my max running distance, which wasn't even early runnings, it was on the elliptical on like the highest setting. Uh, I probably wouldn't have been as bad. I'm still limping around a little bit today.
0: <laughs> but the important thing is you finished though, you know, oh, you yeah. gained something psychologically that, uh, you know, you accomplished what you set out to do. And I think there's definitely value in that.
1: Definitely. And I'm sure
0: that you also, you also learned something else from the experience, I'm sure that, that you've applied to your life as well. What would you say that is?
1: Uh, well, let's see. When I was uh, – my feet were starting to hurt around – well, they were starting to hurt, I think, around mile 16. By the time I got to mile 20, I ran into my good friend, Laura Ozo, and uh, she's she's called the 20.5-mile spectacular because she has Oreos and Twizzlers and soda and all kinds of – crazy high energy junk food uh and she wears a chicken hat with a night, with a neat big sign uh and and she uh she was like you know joe she i was like oh she's like how you feeling i'm like oh you know my feet hurt a little bit but you know I, i'm doing all right. she's like you know my feet hurt once until i met uh a guy a guy who was in the army and uh he had no leg or had no feet to uh to, to yes. have them hurt and he's like you know you know, be grateful that you have feet to have hurt in the first place. And I was like, Oh, I am. They don't hurt. Like I've had my feet hurt way worse in the past. And honestly, I think I fared really, really well considering how much we walked in that mirror. I'm, I much prefer to run. Um, I can't run the whole distance, obviously, cause I, I weigh way too much at this point to run the whole thing. Uh, but you know, I'd much rather run and get it done <laughs> a lot quicker than than and take bigger strides than, uh, than like the shuffle runs.
0: You brought up a great point, though, when you, 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 uh, you mentioned that army guy who had no feet, and um, it's a great lesson in perspective, I think, because, you know, yeah, my feet hurt, but here's a person who has no feet. And I'm actually thinking of this guy, uh, Joe DeSena, who he, he founded the Spartan Race, and he was doing a triathlon, and um, he was pushing his body to limit, and he felt like he couldn't go any further. And then he saw a girl ran, run by him, and she only had one. And then when she saw her, this woman pushing herself, you know, to to complete the triathlon, uh, he was so... It changed his perspective so completely that he ended up finishing, even though he felt in his body that he was, like, ready to vomit he couldn't go any further. But once he saw that that woman with one leg go by, it it was like an awakening call in him. And I think there's there's power there when you see that.
1: I mean, I saw older men and ladies uh, that that were, like, hunched over um, and they were... And I don't mean older, like, as in 10 years older than me. I mean older, like, they were probably in their 60s, 70s. And they were in because I was passing them. So, that means at some point they were in front of me, you know. So, that that kind of stuff puts things into perspective. I've seen people with, like, canes out there before on the half marathon distances. They're not supposed to, but they do. Um, nothing's going to hold them down. And, and I, I, I love and respect it. And, uh, you know, <laughs> it's, it, it's just, it's just crazy when you're like, man, you know, I, I should be in great shape, but here I, I have to pass this person.
0: Yeah, I think, but for me, like, um, I, I don't know when I, when I see people like that, when I see people hunched over and they're, they're still doing this, um, it really helps me to, um, get my point of view into the right frame of mind, you know, when it comes to achieving my goals, um, you know, like if compared to what they're going through, you know, what I'm going through is, is a fraction of that, you know, and I can do this.
1: Definitely. Um, so, so now, now that we're like so far away from, from what, uh, well, what we could be talking about, which is your, your website, your online magazine, open world mag, uh, you, you, let's go into how you got started with that.
0: Yeah, sure. So where do you want to start?
1: Okay. So, uh, what, what were some of the first steps you took when you were like, okay, I want to start a, a online magazine.
0: Uh, well, I, you know, I guess I started, if we go back to the beginning, I was, uh, I've been nomadic since 2009. Um, I had my own business that I started, which was an online advertising business. And, um, I grew that business. You know, I worked really hard on it the first year or two, and then I kind of uh, kind of mastered that business. I would say, and I was working 10 hours a week. uh, um, You know, while traveling, a full-time income had a couple years. I was making six figures, and um, and I had all these crazy experiences. I I did all these had all these fun travel experiences. I spent you know six months in Asia. I went to to South America for six months, and um, I kind of wanted to share everything. Everything I learned about um, starting a location-independent business, um, how to simplify a business so that, uh, instead of enslaving you, so you become a martyr of your business. And I've worked with people to help them, you know, make that, that leap, make that transition. And, um, and so I wanted to write a book, you know, I, I did all these things that I dreamt about doing. I dreamt about, you know, crossing Southeast Asia on a motorcycle. And I did that. And <clears throat> I thought, well, what comes next? And I read this, uh, I read this passage from Tony Shea's book, Delivering Happiness. And in a book, he said that there's Three levels of happiness. There's passion, there's uh, pleasure, and there's—I'm sorry. There's pleasure, there's passion, and then there's higher purpose. And so I realized that I was—I was engaging a lot on the pleasure levels. I was gauging my passions, um, but I didn't really ha- wasn't tuned into my purpose too much. And I was only affecting the lives of maybe you know four or five, six people who were my clients. Maybe the people I met, you know, I could do something for them, but I wasn't—I didn't have enough of a reach. My my purpose wasn't big enough yet. And so um, I, I wanted to write a book because I felt like that would be my contribution. That took the form of uh, Buy Your Own Island, my first book. And then um, I kind of continued to, to write about and interview people. And that became the podcast and the blog that I have at openworldmag.com. And, and now we have a digital magazine, which I'm, I'm really excited for. We have funded it on Indiegogo. It's 110% funded now uh, with 10 days left. And um, it's going to be cool. It's going to be fun.
1: That is awesome. I'm so happy to hear that, that uh, it's worked out for you as far as getting over, overly funded uh, f- for your magazine. And uh, not, you know, not everybody gets to say that.
0: Yeah, not a lot of people do get to say that. But um, the, the biggest thing when I was researching crowdfunding, I mean, I, I had to deal with all these alligators you know, internally that everyone does when they want to do something new. And um, for me, they kind of took the form in like, overwhelm. You know, like I felt like I was so overwhelmed by all of the re- all of the information out there on crowdfunding. You know, all these podcasts and blogs, and you should do this, you should do that, you should do this. And then I'm worried, you know, is my product right for crowdfunding? Because it seems to be like a new invention or something like this that does really well. And I thought, you know, I'm going to ignore all that stuff. I'm just going to focus on what my strengths are. And um, <clears throat> I found for me what worked really well is a one-on-one personal email outreach was great for getting people to support the campaign and back it. And I kind of ignored a lot of the other stuff like trying to pitch the press you know, because I don't like spending a lot of time researching a journalist and emailing them and then they don't reply back. So I didn't do any of that stuff. I just focused on one-on-one email outreach because I'm really good at that stuff. I wrote a book about it. And um, <clears throat> you know, when I, when I started this, this crowdfunding campaign, like the very first day when I launched, I just took out a notepad and I just wrote all the reasons why I'm going to be successful. And I wrote down maybe nine or ten different reasons and – and I said, "Look, I, I just—if I just stick to my plan, I'm, this is going to happen," and and I had no reason to doubt myself.
1: No, I I love it. I love the idea of, of figuring out what your strengths are and then and playing to those strengths rather than wasting—well, not wasting—but you know, taking the crapshoot of. If I do a bunch of research, find all these, the right people, I can make all it happen. But then you're putting all the power into somebody else's hands. You're handing all that authority that you have over to somebody else and hoping that somebody's like, oh, wow, this is really cool. I'm going to pimp it out to a lot of people. Um, and that doesn't always happen that way. You know, sometimes it does. But, but if it happens, you know, wouldn't you be more proud If it happened organically that, you know, somebody found it and somebody shared it and then somebody was like, hey, I, you know, I'm going to share this with a huge, you know, following like Huffington Post or, or something like that organically rather than, yeah, I invested like a hundred hours just to, you know, target these very specific people so that I could have an outreach to these specific target markets
0: yeah exactly, and I mean, I've learned so much as a result of this campaign. I mean, first of all, it helps if you have a cool product <laughs> obviously um uh, that's but, what that uh,
1: that's the king man that's the king <laughs> having content or product that people want i mean, uh you know Bill Gates may or may not have said it, but it was in pirates of Silicon Valley. like how do you make yourself indispensable? You create something that people want and need
0: yeah they'll never involves- want to get rid of you. <laughs> It evolves. Like you put something out there, and then what you do is you try to get feedback on it. You try to get rapid feedback. And in my case, you know, when I when I launched this uh, Indiegogo campaign for the first three weeks, I had about uh, 20 backers or so, maybe more, but they were all men. And I was like, "What the heck is going on here?" You know, because 60% of the people listening to my podcast uh, are women, but they're not backing this campaign. And why is that? So I went on the you know one of these groups. I went on uh, Dan Norris's seven-day startup group, and I posted it there, and I got some really excellent feedback from a woman there. And she said that, you know, your best copy or that the the copy that I resonate with the most is at the bottom. And I'm like, well, that's interesting. And she said, you know, I I need a supportive community of peers like me helping and learning from one another, something like that. And I realized, you know, men and women, what motivates them is is something entirely different. So I actually had to change my copy the way that my my product is presented so that I could attract more women. And I've gotten a lot more women to back it since then. Um, But what I learned is that, you know, men are very achievement driven you know we're driven to solve problems because we get a sense of satisfaction when at the end of the day you know we got all the stuff on our to-do list done you know things are moving forward we're very achievement driven because men are judged by their level of competence you know if, if we achieve things uh... people view us we have high self-esteem people view us highly and women are really focused on you know that community that support because they're more focused on the experience of what they're going through their feelings that they're you know the thoughts in their head um, and so they, they want to be able to share that. You know, I think if you read the book, uh, Men Are from Mars and Women Are from Venus, it's it's a really great uh, look into that different in psychology because you know men will go to their cave, and they won't come out until their problem is solved or they've ignored it so that it's gone away. And women want to talk about their problems and they want to get it out in the open because they feel better when they do that.
1: I you know I I haven't actually read the book, but uh, it's been around a long time, so I I trust that it you're, you're probably <laughs> right in that in saying something along that lines for for the psychology behind it um
0: my girl my girlfriend had it on her nightstand and I took a peek inside and it was it was pretty uh insightful i think <laughs>
1: <laughs> apparently and uh it's led to to more more people being interested in what you're doing cuz you're targeting uh specific types of copywriting to those
0: people so it's yeah exactly it <clears throat> and like we helped. said you know I'm back on this this conversation about um, you know giving what people want. Um, you know I just took an example from the world of relationships with this this relationship book. But business and personal um, you know our business lives, what we sell and, and our people's personal lives are so interconnected, you know, because we all have these conversations, we all have these narratives. Everyone does, you do, I do, you know, yours is maybe you want to lose weight, and mine is maybe I want to uh, 10x my business this year or something like this. We all have these conversations that we tell ourselves every single day. We have these narratives. So you need to be able to understand what those narratives are, what people are saying in their head, you know, what's what are the thoughts in their mind. Um and Robert Collier uh says that you need to enter into a conversation that your prospect, that your target audience is already having in their own mind. So if you can understand that that dialogue, that narrative, that daily narrative that people are are telling each other, that what what gets them through the day on a day to day-, day-, day basis, then you have real power, I think.
1: Mm, yeah, no, I, I think so. I I think uh I mean, a lot of that can come from, you know, knowing your target audience and, and having maybe, you know, having key customers or key uh, trusted people that you, you know, love what you do and and finding out really what they're looking for uh, and being able to, to tap into their, into their brains. Because unless you're the target market, like you as a, as a, as a person is the avatar, um, you don't always know. I mean, you're not a female, so you, you know. You wouldn't have known that yeah. otherwise without doing the research. And in this case, it came from a book.
0: <laughs> there is uh, real power in observing your own narrative, you know, as it happens, because you get an inside look at it. You know, you're you get a first person observation of, you know, the thoughts that are going on in your head. And, um, you know, if I'm like commuting somewhere, you know, if I'm going somewhere that's uh, I spend an hour out of my day, you know, to do something to run an errand. I won't go back and I'll say, you know, what are what are the thoughts that were going in through my head? I look back in the last like two hours. You know, what was I thinking about when I left home? What was I thinking about when I was on the the public transit? What was I thinking about when I was going down the steps? And I find it very interesting to look and think about what actually was going on through my head when I was going through this process because you can learn a lot just by that introspection, I think, as well.
1: Mm. No, I I, I think there definitely is something to be said for that. Um, If you're able to put yourself in that frame of mind, of course, some people – aren't always able <laughs> to do that, able to do that. It's hard, you know, hard for some people to understand, uh, other people's perspectives. And that, that I've wrote, you know, I wrote about that, uh, pretty extensively in, in my first book about, you know, seeing things from all things, from all perspectives, the best you can, obviously. But, yeah. um, sometimes it's hard to see why somebody would find value or, 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 uh, uh, so, uh, solace I don't know if solace is the right word, but solace in what you what you're saying is what your message is what your copyright is is telling them
0: right but there's there's unlimited power in uh mindfulness you know being able to observe your own thoughts in a self analyzing way um, you know because I think that's that's the key to everything you want in your life um, and being able to uh, you know say. Because a lot of us, a lot of us let our, our thoughts run on autopilot, and we spend our days, you know, emotionally, mentally, out of control. And when you do that, you know, you're at the whim of whatever happens to you. You're at the whim of whatever stimuli occurs during your day. And sometimes we can't control, you know, what's going to happen to us. I can't control what's going to happen to me. I don't know what's going to happen to me tomorrow. But I can control, you know, the thoughts in my head and how I organize them, how I get them to go in the direction that I want to go. Because Richard Bandler, uh, founder of NLP, says that. Brains aren't designed to get results. They go in directions. So if you know how a brain works, you set your own directions. So when I see an event, you know, I can, I can run it through a negative filter. I can run it through a neutral filter. Or I can run it through a positive filter. Even if something bad happens to me, I can find the good in it. And I think that's really important because that's the only thing that you can control are those thoughts in your own head.
1: Mm, wow. Yeah, that, that, that is very <laughs> – <laughs> I'd agree. I think that that's, there's definitely a lot of truth to that. Um, and, and being open to, to control those thoughts and have those thoughts, uh, I don't want to say manipulated, but, you know, um, being again, being able to view it from a different perspective and, and at least even if you don't agree with it, see it from, from a different perspective. Um, yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. And then the second part of that is, is being able to channel your thoughts where you want them to go so that you can make those, those big dream goals, those big dreams that you have. Uh, reality And sometimes it's just about, you know, thinking about the problem more than you are now. You know, if, if you just think about it, you know, and then you, you focus on something else, you get distracted by something else, then you're not going to follow up on it. Um, but it's, again, coming down to how you channel your mind. And there's ways to do that. I mean, you, I talk about it in my book, Hack Sleep. Like, you can even use REM sleep to your advantage if because you can transmit conscious thoughts to your subconscious mind. And, you know, I have all kinds of schools of thought around this, but you know, I don't want to go too into it um but you know attention goes where focus flows and that's that's really important. Mm.
1: Danny, how did your family take your your wanting to be uh nomadic? Uh
0: they don't care. <laughs> it's like you know I have I've been fortunate enough to have a pretty uh uh I've been raised to be pretty independent, you know, from a young age. Uh you know, when I was in high school it's like, you know, do whatever you want, you know, and and, and so um so ever since I was a young man, I've been kind of figuring out my own life. And it's, it's been a bit of a challenge. I mean, I, I've i done so many things. I've, I've, I've worn so many hats. I was a taekwondo instructor. I was a high school wrestling coach. I joined the Army when I was like 19 or 20. Um, you know, I went to art school. I did so many different things. I worn so many different hats, trying to figure out my life. I didn't have really any good mentors and, um, you know, just kind of experimenting with everything. I found that my father uh, was always very supportive of me, no matter what I did. And I was actually very surprised because he was quite open-minded about it, but he's very like you know set in his own opinions. Like he was very uh, you know conservative, very uh, entrepreneurial. Um, but if I told him like, hey, I'm working, you know, I'm, I'm working as a club promoter, I'm promoting parties now when I was in college, and he's like, oh, that's great, you know, tell me about it. And and I was telling about my, my business that I had set up and how it worked, and he was he was really supportive of that. So um, I've been very fortunate that uh, you know my parents kind of left me to my own devices. Um, you know when I was younger it was it was a bit tough. It was a bit tough because I was, I was making a lot of stumbling a lot along the way i have never had a job for for more than a month i think I either quit or get fired um but you know i've i 've learned a lot from all that experience
1: yeah well i mean uh, you know that 's the uh, experience is making mistakes and and having things work and learning why things didn 't work so it's yeah. you know so without those experiences we aren 't who we are today and and it 's super important for that to be the case.
0: Yeah, and it, I think it's a mistake for people to think, you know, like, what's my vehicle? You know, what's right for me? What am I destined to do? What's my passion? I think the only common denominator is you. So I, I learned that I should focus on me and, you know, improving myself. No matter what I'm going to do today, uh, no matter what I'm doing tomorrow, um, I want to be the best Danny Flood that I can be.
1: I love it. Um, well, speaking of being the best, what, uh, what's been the biggest roadblock for you that, that you've had to overcome?
0: Um, honestly, you know, like lately I haven't had, uh, too many roadblocks. I mean, obviously, uh, if if I have a roadblock, I will say my disadvantage is my advantage. So if if I, you know, last year, maybe I I was low on capital. I didn't have any money, but, um, you know, other people had money, had capital to spend on their businesses. Uh, but I don't, but I I say, you know what, you know, I'm, I'm flexible. I have the ability to live on little, um, you know, I have all this passion and energy. So I'm going to succeed even though, you know, capital is low at the moment. Um, but when I was younger, I, you know, I would just like anyone else, I have this secret excuse in my head, which would delay action. So, you know, it might be like, Oh, I'm not making enough money. So I can't have a girlfriend, you know, or I can't have a quality girlfriend. So I need to focus on my business first. And that's just BS because it's just a story. It's that narrative that you tell yourself. And now, um, you know, if I have any roadblocks now, um, I have this perspective where the roadblocks, you know, I, I don't even like think of them that, that much. I'll, I'll try to make my disadvantages advantages. And I also remember that, you know, I really have nothing to lose because, the death rate for everyone is 100%. We're all going to end up in the graveyard. And I want to make sure that, you know, I think, I think about death constantly because I think, you know, if there's anything I want to do, this is it. This is it today. I, this is not going to, ever going to get any better than it is right now. So I have to pour everything I have into it now. The only failure, the only, the only thing that's going to happen to me is I'm going to die someday. So there's, there's no real failure in life except that, you know, the failure not to try, I think, and, and taking that with you to the grave, taking the things that you wanted to do with you to the grave.
1: Uh, you know, I, I, I live with a lot of the same, uh, that same fear that I'm not going to get to create everything that's inside of me and, and put it out into the world, uh, before that day comes. And, you know, I, 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 I it's weird to say this, I think, but, um, I'm curious from your perspective, uh, being like halfway around the world and, and traveling and, and doing all that stuff. Um, you know, to me, I, I actually feel now with, with my first daughter, my first uh, child coming on the way, I actually, you know, a lot of people would, would, I guess, would feel the opposite of like, oh, you know, I'm worried I have to, you know, I have to be around, you know, my, you know, my kid and, and all that stuff. But like, I actually kind of feel a little pressure off of me, uh, be, you know, from the whole like death perspective because like i do have someone that could carry that could you know in theory carry on some of my legacy and the work that i've already put forward you know is that weird
0: no i don't think it's weird at all um i i kind of experienced the same i mean i haven't had a kid yet but um when my father passed away a few years ago it oh, was I'm sorry a very yeah, you know, it, it happens to us all, you know, like I said, but I, I found that it was a very defining moment in my life, and I realized that, you know, I'll never be able to have another conversation with him again. You know, so the, the times that we spent together, that was it. That, that was, you know, the, the highest, that was one of the main highlights of my life was all of the experiences I had with him, and it's not going to last forever. So you really have to seize the present moment. Whoever you're with right now, with your wife, with your kid, this is all you have this this moment is all you have, so you really need to make the most of it because one day it it will end, and just just like it did with my father um but I, you know, like you talk about legacy so i I do remember all the things that he taught me, and i do I do feel like i 'm carrying on his legacy in the world through everything that he taught me, and he he taught me a lot of things that made me who I am now
1: uh yeah yeah well i <laughs> And in a lot of ways that's that's the case for many people and it, it's a it, it can be tough to let go um, but with that said, at least we had those opportunities like we said earlier with the with the feet having feet versus no feet
0: <laughs> yeah it, it can it can be frustrating too if if you're with someone who um, doesn't feel that same way, you know who who's always focused on the future and they forget to be happy in the present. Um, so that could be like a spouse, you know, my ex-girlfriend was a bit like this. And, um, you know, I try to tell her every day, like, you know, just relax, you know, things are going to be all right. It's, it's not as bad as you're making it out to be. Uh, but, but I feel like that person would spoil the present moment when I wanted to just be, just be, you know, I wanted to be as I was and perfect with my problems, with my flaws and still be fine with that, you know, still be comfortable, still be happy. Uh, but, but she wasn't able to do that. And that, that was one of the reasons why, uh, that relationship didn't work out. And, it, it is a bit frustrating when you interact with people who aren't uh, clued in or, or keyed in on that, that same philosophy.
1: Yeah. I, I've been there <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Not be, you know, being with people that, that can't just like let, just let like, however it is it just be for a little, even if it's only for a little bit, you know, I, I, cause I, I know I tend to worry and try to play out things in my mind for the, you know, how things are going to be. But, uh, you have to you have to be able to you know and obviously not any everyone's perfect when it comes to you know the ideal way to be versus how things actually turn out but you know being able to just uh, li- live in that moment for for at least a little bit whether it's a, an hour or, or, or a day
0: yeah exactly I mean that that year that I spent with Max ex I mean that our time together had an expiration date you know and we didn't know that there was an expiration date. When there was, we we're in that present moment. You know, we don't know when our day is going to come, and we're going to die, but it is going to happen. And when you think about that, when you realize that, it really gives you this sense of wonder and the sense of awe that, you know, wow, I, I, I really need to to do this now. I can't wait on on postpone what I want to do. And as I actually learned this lesson. You know, a really good uh, story anecdote that I took from. Do you know Bhutan, the country of Bhutan, Joe?
1: Mm, not that I could. I couldn't tell you where it's at, put it that way. <laughs> yeah. it's,
0: it's near the Ranachal Pradesh, uh, near, on the border of uh, Nepal and India. Okay. And it's a very closed kingdom, and um, it, they measure their, uh, they measure their, uh, you know, like most, a lot of countries measure GDP. They measure gross national happiness, and it's one of the happiest countries in the world. And um, the article said that their dark secret to happiness was, uh, they do this interesting thing where they have this sky burial, where they'll put a body on like a cliff or a plateau. And then these, these condors, these vultures would come and they would tear the human body apart. And that would be the way that they would, uh, you know, return their relatives back to the earth. And so they, they frequently see this, you know, and they, they see like they're face to face with this, this concept of death. Like, you know, you're gonna return to, back to the earth. And because of that, they, because of this closeness, this familiarity with death, um, they have no reason not to be happy. You know, they have no reason not to to enjoy the now, you know, to enjoy the present moment. But a lot of us we forget to live because we're we're focused on things that either are happening in the future that or that are happening, you know, a thousand miles away, that aren't here present in this room where we're sitting now. And that's that's the trap that a lot of us fall into. That's that's the key that is causing a lot of us to be unhappy.
1: Yeah yeah um i mean that's that's pretty wild i mean it's not i i I believe it because because, i mean i couldn't see uh people in america necessarily doing that but uh but i I, you know i well they they generally say that was it denmark is like the happiest country in the world because like everybody makes the same amount of money and it doesn't matter if you're a prince or a garbage collector it it doesn't matter you're going to make the same amount of money and And I guess they just don't have those kinds of um, financial stresses, which, you know, cause tons of divorce and tons of uh, suicides all over the world, not just in America, but like, you know, Japan, everywhere. Uh, You know, it's a real problem. So, you know, having having a level playing field, I, I guess, could take take away one of the biggest stresses of of our lives.
0: Yeah, it depends who you ask, though, about happiest country. I mean, some people say that, you, you know, there's so many different factors that are involved. Um, you know, some people say that the places in Central America are the happiest. Some people say that Scandinavia is the happiest. Um, you know, some surveys say Bhutan is the happiest in Asia and maybe the happiest in the world. But, you know, uh, it really depends what survey, what metrics you're using as well. Uh, but but they definitely vary, you know. <laughs> um, for, for me, like, you know, I, I think that happiness is very kind of subjective. You know, it's it's very, uh, you know, I could be happy one day, I could be unhappy the next because I didn't, you know, sleep well enough, or I could become happy if I went ice skating or did something I love if I went surfing. Um, so so happiness is not really what I choose to focus on. I'm, I, I focus on that last level of happiness, which I mentioned earlier, which is my purpose. And manifesting my purpose in the world, like, it's, it's hard, it's a lot of work, but I get an incredible sense of self-satisfaction from executing on that purpose. I get an incredible sense of satisfaction from writing five books last year, because I set out to do this, and I did it, and, and that gives me this inner confidence, it gives me this inner happiness that lasts, that lasts long-term, and so um, I used to think that there was only these three levels of happiness, p- uh, pleasure, passion, and purpose, and then I had this conversation with uh, my friend Michael Costeros, and he's the CEO of Entrepreneur's Awakening, and he said there's a level of happiness that's even higher than your purpose, and that's kind of what we've been touching on a little bit in this conversation, but he says, it's your essence. It's your essence of who you are. It's, it's whether you show up each day, you know, and who shows up, which Joe shows up, you know, to this conversation, to this podcast conversation, which Joe shows up uh, when he spends time with his family, you know, that that's the most powerful thing. That's even more powerful than your purpose. And that's your essence. It's the core of who you are. And are you living with integrity? Are you doing what you say you're going to do? Are you giving 100% to your family, to your business, to, um, each podcast episode that you produce, that is the, the ultimate level of of happiness, I think, and that that manifests itself in each and every single moment.
1: Hmm. Yeah, it, well, hey, sometimes it's tough, man. It, you know, it's just like <laughs> having a bad experience with a waiter or waitress. You know, they might just be having a bad day. <laughs> it,
0: it, it is tough, you know. And, and I get, you know, just the other night, I got really tough. Be, I got really, excuse me, I got really angry because I got in this taxi. And the taxi started going the wrong direction to where I wanted to go. And I'm like, where where are you going? We're going in circles. And I, you know, I got really upset with this taxi driver. I'm like, you know, all right, I'm just going to get out of here. And, you know, I I did get upset at him. I got really angry. But, you know, even Buddhist monks, you know, they experience these same emotions. They they feel this fear. They feel anger. They feel frustration. But it's how you react to that. You know, does it does that anger ruin your whole day? Is it going to ruin your whole night? Is it going to spoil your dinner afterwards? No, it doesn't have to. So, you know, as soon as I got that text, I'm like, all right, no worries. You know, it's just an inconvenience. Um, but it, but it's, again, you know, you can't control everything that's going to happen. I can't control that that taxi driver is going to drive me in a big circle so that he can charge me more. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I can, I can respond to how I'm going to react to it. Yeah. I and mean, I can control how I react to it.
1: Right, 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 right. I, you know, I, and it's not always easy, right? Because we you know you, you 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 get the you get the first reaction which is our i guess the primal instinct or whatever but but then it's like then that's where you need to like step in yourself and be like okay like other like things happen and and we just have to roll with the punches um and it's things because like sometimes we're put in these these positions where we don't want to necessarily have to be in right it's like it's not just about you, you know being driven around in circles or, or or even paying more it's it's the inconvenience of like you know that you, you know something's not right for whatever for whatever the reason is and and now it's like i don't like i don't want to have a conversation with somebody about how they're not doing it right or they're may are they intentionally trying to screw me into paying more money or or what's i don't know what you know what is the deal? And and a lot of times we just don't want to have to think about it or deal with it. That's why you know if we wanted to deal with it, you would have you wouldn't have gotten a taxi. You would have had your own car and driven yourself.
0: <laughs> yeah, Well, I mean I'm living in Thailand. I don't have a car here. You know, so I, I take taxis and public transit. But you know, like. From that event, I mean, I could make this, I could have made, I could have impounded that event, you know, that stimuli to make it so much worse. I could have said, you know, well, he's riding me in circles because I have white skin, you know, they want to screw the furong, they want to screw the foreigner, they want to make more money from, you know, a foreigner. And then I could have thought, well, damn it, I hate the taxi drivers here, I hate this country, you know, because they're always trying to scam me here. And, you know, I could go on and on and on, I could create this whole narrative just based on that, that stimulus. Uh, but I didn't, you know, and I think a lot of us tend to do that if, if we run these events through a negative filter, and, and it can get worse and worse, and then you carry these thoughts around in your head, and then suddenly you're, you're paralyzed to, to take any action in your life, any positive action, because you have these debilitating thoughts going in your head, and I've had the same when I was a young man, you know, I was a very young, angry, pissed-off young man who, who thought that my self-worth was higher than the world was telling me, and, and so I had these, you know, this narrative where um, I felt like I wasn't good enough at all these things, you know, I wasn't good enough to to have the the kind of partner that I wanted to have the kind of business to make the money that I wanted. And it was because that I, I, I took these events that happened to me, these external events, and I use it to create an internal narrative. But if I, if I realize that when that's happening and I stop it, I can fill my head with my own thoughts and create my own more empowering narrative. And I think that's, that's key to, uh, I think that's the key to, to getting everything you want in life.
1: I, you know, I, I agree. I agree, Uh, you know, and and a lot of people they, you know, a lot of those people will just let that be, you know, and and you know the kind of people that I mean, it's everything gets them mad and then everything's ruined, you know, they and they then they make it a hundred times worse than it needs to be because they're angry to the point where they're just like, no, nothing could be right now because one thing was wrong, and and those people I just like, I I I used to want to like try to help so much and now I'm just kind of like, eh you know what, it's not worth wasting my energy because they're just burning their energy, wasting time and spinning, spinning their wheels for like no reason at all for, for like the smallest of things when there's like so many worse things that could be possibly going on.
0: Yeah. Yeah. it's, It's very hard to, to help someone who doesn't want help as well.
1: Definitely. Um, Danny, what was your childhood dream growing up?
0: Um, well, you know, I, I kind of just really wanted to, I wanted freedom, you know, like a lot of entrepreneurs, uh, I wanted to be independent, I wanted to, to be my own boss, you know, when I was going through school and stuff, I thought, you know, this is boring, this is taking too long, I'm not interested in the subjects I'm studying. So like, I had a record attendance for missing class, you know, from, from high school and college. Uh, when I was in high school, I mean, I had so many doctor's notes, you know, to, to say that I was sick so that I wouldn't have to go to class. I was always in the doctor's office, and like, know, <coughs> yeah, I got a cough again. You know, can you give me something? And you know, when I was in college, like, I was I was more focused on running my business, my night- nightlife business, and promoting parties every weekend because I was actually getting paid for that. I actually enjoyed it. Um, and a lot of you know, like, when I was in college, we had classes that were four hours long, and you know, I I would go like I couldn't sit still. Like, I would go out in the hallways, you know, and like, and go to the cafeteria or something. And I just, I, and I really I really felt like I could never sit still. I wanted freedom. I wanted more independence. I wanted to. Have control to uh, direct my own life, you know, to design my own life the way exactly what I want it. I want to do things that I love. I don't want to do things that I hate. And so that's that's kind of what I've tried to manifest with my life, my through my 20s, and I'm 30 now. And um, you know, I've been able to to create a lot of that. It hasn't always been easy. Um, there's no blueprint because um, you know there's a lot of question marks, and you have to figure this out on your own. Um, but you know, I'm i really I feel satisfaction for for how far I've come and and where I've what I've accomplished so far.
1: Well, you know, hey, a a lot of, you know, people that are are maybe too independent for for the guidelines that school provides uh, tend to be better at being entrepreneurs and tend to be better at like figuring out those question marks because there's a need for it. And when we're we're in the moment at, at school. Uh, so sometimes it's hard to see the, you know, what's the tree through the forest there about like how this is going to apply to me and how it actually helped me and, and stuff like that. So I, I could totally see that being a problem.
0: Yeah. But it's, it's like, you know, my, again, my disadvantage is my advantage because I'm really big on self-education. You know, I'm really big on learning things that I'm intensely interested in that I'm focused on. And a lot of the people that, you know, get their days in school, they, they don't, educate themselves outside of school you know and that, that's how they end up in these cushy jobs you know pouring coffee for some executive uh because they just they just check off the boxes they just simply do as they're told and i, I have this thirst for knowledge i definitely have that thirst for knowledge but it's it's something that i'm interested in and if you look at it's, it's true of any high achiever like look at um michael phelps for example like his mom said that he had this really intense case of adhd he was not able to focus on anything in school but he also won, you know, more gold medals than anyone else, you know, because he loves to swim. The guy was made to swim, <laughs> and so that, you know, he 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 trained harder than anyone else in that, you know, and, and that's that's what it takes to be a champion.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you you know, you gotta want it, and and uh, sometimes it does take finding the right tool or the right the right outlet for your abilities, whether they be natural or interest based, uh, to to be able to you know to make it drive for you.
0: Yeah, exactly, and I and I found that like my interest is like these hacks. You know, I write about hacks because I'm interested in shortcutting things. I'm interested in shortcutting things to get the result I want. I don't want to sit in a class for a whole semester just to be able to pass a test. I want to figure out, all right, show me the test. All right, let me study for one week and let me get it. Off, let me get it done. You know, let me finish that test. And um, there's a great example on uh, the Four Hour Workweek blog about uh, David Heinemeier Hansen. and um, he created Ruby on Rails. But uh, what he said is that the proudest grades that he ever got in school were the C's, because they were they were subjects where he just like did just enough to pass that he wasn't really interested in. You know, he didn't want to, he didn't care about those subjects. So he's like, all right, I got a C, I'll pass. You know, good, now I can do something else that I want, that I love, and you know that that's the way he's hacked the system. That's how he was able to create Ruby on Rails, which um, has hacked programming so that it's helped to create platforms like Twitter. You know, Twitter wouldn't exist if not for Ruby on Rails. Um, and so, uh, and then, you know, he he was able to, like, break into competitive racing, you know, uh, because he just focused on, you know, doing the par- the bare minimum that was needed to pass, you know, to to get to the higher level, and that was what he would do.
1: Well, we, yeah, I mean, everybody gets the same paper at the end of the day. Uh, the, the GPA is a, a different story, but if you know, if you have a, a clear path of where you're headed and don't care for, you know, or need or see the need for, you know, okay, I need that 4.0 GPA so I can go to this school so I can do, you know, go be a brain surgeon yes. or something like that. But even then, just if you, you know, you get into that school, if you keep the bare minimum, you all end up with the same paper anyway.
0: <laughs> yes. And, and you, you mentioned a good point there, which is the end goal, um, you know, is is what school do you want to get into? So if, if my ultimate goal was to get into this school, I would focus on that goal and reverse engineer what was needed from there. Um, I wouldn't need, you know, and if, if I were to do that, if I had, if I was on creating the curriculum for a university, it wouldn't take me four years to get there. You know, I, I would look at that as a failure. If it, if it took me four years to achieve this goal, um, you know, maybe of, of high school or, or, or I don't what I know we're talking about, maybe graduate school or, uh, you know, college, um, that, that would be a failure because four years of doing something just for one goal it seems like too long for me. If I have a goal, I mean, I will set a timeline of three months, six months, and then I will focus on that end goal, reverse engineer, what are the main steps that are going to make that happen, and then I would make it happen. And I think that the problem is that a lot of people, like if they learn chess, for example, they learn opening moves, they learn how to move their pawns, they learn how to uh, intermediate strategies, like how to control the center of the board. They don't focus, they don't learn from the very start how to checkmate the king. That is the goal of chess. So if you focus on that end goal and then reverse engineer from there, that's a more effective way to do it than to get bogged up with you know bogged in all the details that you never even get to the end goal you know so you know if if I'm learning something if I'm taking a Udemy course I'm going to skip all the introduction I'm going to skip everything until I find the exact piece of information that I came here for that's going to help me get my goal and I'm only going to watch that one video and that maybe the Udemy course has 50 videos but I'm going to watch the one video which talks about what I actually want and if there's something else that I need to know that's going to help me get what I want then I'll, I'll watch that but it shouldn't take four years to get to what you get what you want to get the goal you want. (laughs)
1: Well, I mean, we could go down a long path of why we need gym classes for, for, you know, business administration degrees and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I'd agree, uh, you know, finding, finding the stuff. And that's one of the things I, I, you know, that these, these kids, these days, these kids, these days, you know, they have YouTube and stuff and I, you know, interviewing kids that have been on like, uh, Uh, like MasterChef Junior and stuff and I'm like, look, you know, you guys have access to like the most powerful information ever, especially in YouTube, because not only can you just look up the stuff, not only can you see pictures of the stuff, but you can actually watch step by step videos on how to prepare it, why to prepare it a certain way, you know, and all that, and then have countless hours of specifics to that, to that, of that information. Um, specifically for what you're looking for. So it's not just like, hey, I'm turning on the cooking channel. What are they making today? And then you're limited to whatever they feed you. You know, it's it's open to what everybody can create and how they create it. And now, then these kids can see that and like jump that much further without having to need uh, like, you know, a four or five star chef in their life, like an uncle, a dad, a mom, a, an aunt, whoever, you know, in, in their life every day.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. That's why I'm a big fan of uh, self-education too, because of what you said. Uh, you know, rather than having stuff fed to me, like being told what I want to learn or what to learn, I'd rather you know know what I want to learn and design my own curriculum. Fix uh, the problems.
1: You know, my, was like, my, uh, yeah. uh, innovation or invention? Is the problems or the, pro- the innovate I don't know you know what I'm saying <laughs> I'm tired
0: um,
1: at this point ne- ne-
0: necessity is the mother of uh, innovation or necessity is the mother of invention
1: yes 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 yes
0: yeah exactly and and that's that's the mistake see that's the problem with education is because and and everybody does this you know professors authors first time authors um they don't start with what their reader wants to know you know they they'll uh they'll start creating the curriculum based on what they want to teach so it starts with them and but, but the prospect, you know, the, the person who's gonna be taking the course, it's gonna be reading the book, they want the answer to what they the problem they have, you know, that narrative that's going on in their head. So if you understand that narrative and you can say, look, I, I, I'm gonna tell you exactly this, that's that's far more effective than saying, I wanna teach this, 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 and this. Um, and then the other thing I think about when I'm creating a product is I'll say, what would I tell this person if I'm only being paid for the end result? That means I strip away everything else. I'm not going to overwhelm them with, you know, the history of whatever the subject is I'm talking about. I'm not going to overwhelm them with all this information that's going to get them further away from that end result. I'm only going to focus on that end result. What would I, what would I teach them? What would I tell them if I'm only getting paid for that end result? And I find that to be very, very powerful. When you ask that question before you sit down to write your content, before you start to create the product, before you start to write the book, uh, because everyone has this narrative. Everyone has these problems they want to solve, and you can clue in on that and you can help them solve that problem. Then you have real power. Then you can really move people.
1: Definitely. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I, 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 I agree. Um, so, Danny, what do your dreams for the future look like?
0: Well, I don't really focus on uh, dreams in you know, a long term, like you know, year, five years, ten years. I just focus on what I'm doing now, what I'm doing in the next month, next three months. Um, and, and basically, you know, whatever I do, I am just trying to make sure that I'm, I'm doing better than I, I did yesterday. You know, I want to improve upon the past every single day. I want to be better than my former self. And uh, I'm, really feeling, I'm really feeling good about 2016. Um, I think it's going to be, I'm going to reach more people in 2016 with my, my content, my products. Um, I think I'm going to make a better impact, um, you know, help more people. I'm going to be able to, to expand the business that I've already created, this platform with Open World Magazine. And um, we're going to be launching this digital magazine. We've just successfully funded the Indiegogo. Uh, you know, completing that crowdfunding was a big thing for me. I'm really excited about that. Uh, I have another Kickstarter idea that I want to launch. I want to launch a physical product, which I think is going to help a lot of people. It's, it's going to help people with their fitness and their productivity. Uh, but I can't talk about it too much yet. Um, but, you know, I just, I just want to be able to increase my contribution to the world. I want to be able to increase my value. I find that to be my purpose in life, and I want to... Every day, make sure that I'm I'm honed in with my essence. You know, I want to be mindful of, of each day and make sure that I'm living now. That I'm showing up every day, and I think that if I continue to do those two things, that um, I'm going to be very satisfied. I'm going to be very happy with where my life is going.
1: I honestly, I mean, you're you're doing such a great job at that already. <laughs> I, I don't see <laughs> that being a problem going forward.
0: And I also, you know, Joe, I, I want to add something. I think that perspective is really important too, um, because, like, you know, if I. Like I said about Essences, I want to really be able to show up for this interview with Joe Pardo on the Dreamers podcast. I want to make sure that I give everything I have to this interview. Um, but then there are also times when, you, you know, like something's going to happen and you feel like, you know, I can't do it. I don't, I don't feel creative today. I don't have that energy today uh, to, to do a great interview. Um, but, you know, like I think that there's real power in reference experiences when um, you do something, when you, 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 maybe you doubt yourself and you think you're not going to be able to do it, but you do it anyway and it turns out fine. I think there's real power in that because you've proven to yourself that you have what it takes, that you can keep going. Even when things are bad, even when your feet hurt, Joe, and you're in this marathon, you can keep going. That's a reference experience that you have more in you than you can even imagine. And so oftentimes if I'm feeling tired, if I'm feeling sick, you know, I, I think back to other times in my life when I had a horrible headache. You know, I felt like I was going to throw up, but I still did a podcast interview, and the interview turned out fantastic. You know, The interview turned out amazing. And I'll think back to that time when I was having these same doubts and I still went for it, I still went for it, and things turned out great, and if you can create those reference experiences where, you know, you still have these pebbles in your shoe, maybe you're you're experiencing pain, physical pain, mental pain, emotional pain, sickness, and you still push yourself, and you had a great result from it, that's going to add to your confidence, you're going to become more confident, you're going to be able to expand your comfort zone, take more risks, you're going to be able to do more with your life, I think is really important.
1: So yeah, I can't tell you how many times that that you know I wasn't feeling it. I wasn't feeling great. Where I was tired, like like right now. I mean, right now it's eleven thirty at night my time. It it was eleven thirty in the morning of your time.
0: Yes, sir. It's eleven twenty seven actually. Or, uh, yeah, for being specific. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Uh,
1: um, but you know, it's like how, how many times where i have like, oh man, I I don't, I don't I'm just not feeling it. And you know, it's just funny because I, I was telling my wife the other day like. Uh, about there was there was another interview I was, was doing. I was like, ah, oh, I'm just not feeling it. I, I just want to go home. I want to go to sleep. And she's like, you always say that. And then you end up becoming best friends with the person that you're interviewing and having, you know, the best interview ever. So, uh, <laughs> you know, it, and it, it 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 does it does happen that way because you know we're not like you know we're not perfect in that sense of you know, Hey, I, I'm a, I'm a re- mostly a really positive person and, and outgoing. And I love talking with people and being around people and learning from experiences of other people. But that doesn't mean that every day that I'm like that, uh, yeah. you know, I, I'm not always, I I I'm on in the sense, sense that I can do work. Um, wow. That was really big wind gust. Like <laughs> there was like something banging up against the side of the house or something um (laughs) i'm gonna leave this in here so uh yeah (laughs) you know i i can't always turn it on but i i i try to and i I really really try to because i know that it's important not just for for myself because it's one of those things where you know it, it becomes a habit if you're you know you're you know always happy or at least mostly always happy and you try to you know always put a smile on and and it's contagious for other people and i know that it can help make other people's day days and and it's, that's really important to me as a as a person that to focus on that and making other people's days that much better so i like i you know it's not always easy um <laughs> but you know no, it's not. <laughs> it, it, but you know it's it's by far worth it um not just from like a perspective of getting to meet other people, but to help other people in even in that small way of just like making their day a little bit better
0: yeah, yeah, that's exactly right, and I have my own default system that I use if if there's ever a day when I'm not feeling it, you know whether maybe my girlfriend invites me out to go meet their friends or something, but I'm really tired, I'm exhausted, uh, maybe I'm a little bit sick I have a headache i I have a, a default backup that i'll I'll turn to, and uh, my, my plan is that i'll just really try to focus on the other person as much as possible so that I don't have to talk as much. And I'll just really try to, to get them to open up and just, you know, like really focus on building rapport. And, and so that actually is very effective. If I'm about to do an interview, if I'm about to interview someone for my podcast, I'll ask them, you know, why did you get started on this? You know, why do you love doing this? You know, why, uh, what do you love to talk about more than anything else in the world? I'll invite them to open up to me and then I'll just listen, you know, and then I'll just shut up and I'll let them talk. And then, and then suddenly they'll say, wow, you know, I love having this conversation with you. And then, you know, my girlfriend will say, oh, my friends loved you last night because, you know, you just, because all I did was I just let them talk. You know, just say, you know, like, like what, and I, and I focus on their passions and I focus on, you know, h- how did you guys meet each other? Tell me the story, you know, uh, tell me why, you know, what, what do you love most more than anything in the world? And, and when they start to talk about those things and they start to talk about their passions or, you know, what they love and, and suddenly they open up to you and then they, they think that, you know, this guy is making me feel good. Uh, and they associate those those feelings of you know feeling good about their passion or whatever it is they love most, and they associate it with you. And then they, they think that you're a masterful conversationalist. So if I'm ever in that situation, I'll, that's what I'll focus on is I'll just say, you know, like I don't have a whole lot of energy for this this podcast interview, but I'm gonna you know ask this person, you know, what do you love, you know, what do you love to talk about, what do you um, what excites you right now, what's what's your focus, you know, and then I'll just have them talk about that and then I'll just let them, you know, I'll just kind of steer the dire- the direction of the conversation and they'll just take it from there.
1: Yeah, the only time that I I feel that it's it's hard is if I'm really <laughs> tired and I you know, as long as they're they're talking, I can retain some of it, but it's when they they like if I have to start like answering back, like they start asking questions, that's when it's like oh man, like I, it, sometimes it's hard because like, I can do like, it's like when I meet someone for the first time, right? Like I, and I, I say this to a lot of people, cause it, it's the truth. I can either do one of two things. I can remember your name or I can have a conversation with you. Both of those things are not going to happen for me. Uh, and, and to me, the experience, how you make someone feel and leave them feeling is way more important than knowing their name, right? As soon as you meet them, especially if Uh, it's really loud and like you're, you're being introduced to like four or five people at at once. Uh, you know, for me, it's just, it's impossible to remember four or five names all at once. Unless, unless the only way I can do it is if other people in a group are using the other person's name repetitively. (laughs) That's the only way it's going to happen for me.
0: I will write names down sometimes, you know, um, you know like, like well, a, your hand it, you're
1: like oh so, excuse, excuse me joe let me just okay and now he looked down and it's like joe <laughs> red shirt
0: <laughs> well, well like if I, I have you know my backpack i have a notepad you know and uh, i was at this brunch uh, it was hosted by taylor pearson i don't know if you're you know taylor uh but he wrote the book uh, the end of jobs pretty well known author and he hosted huh. this brunch here in bangkok and um you know i met a lot of people there i met like you know eight or nine people and then we went to another place in the coffee shop uh, but after i met each person i would write their name down I'd write the name of their business and what they do and then you know that really helped a lot i had like you know eight names and i could follow up with all of them afterwards i found it to be really helpful
1: yeah you know i i will do that um I'll, you know from time to time write them down usually in my in my phone i'll write them down uh how i know them or add them on facebook or something to that effect um and it, you know again it you know if i have a conversation with them i can remember things about the conversation it's just sometimes it's hard with the name because it, you know like the conversation is using up a lot of my energy to focus in on that conversation to give it 110 percent and that, that it's just for me it's just it's sometimes this is really hard to to, to remember things. i've been trying to get better at it because i i know that as i go along on my journey that there's a lot of people that I'm meeting, um, and a lot of them I know from online. Like I made the mistake the other day, actually, on the race course. I ran into somebody. Uh, they they clearly knew who I was. I didn't recognize them, like their face, um, and I felt bad because later on I wrote on Facebook, like, oh man, I, I, I'm sorry we didn't get to hang out or meet. And it, it's funny because the guy Matt, if you're listening, lives right over the bridge in in, in Pennsylvania. And, and so he lives really close and, and we, we have yet to meet, uh, but we met on the race course and I didn't realize that I met him. <laughs> <laughs> so, so he's like, Oh, what, you don't remember seeing me at mile 20.5. And I was like, I didn't realize that was you. I was like, I was so out of it. Like, you know, I still had six more miles to go. And I just was, I didn't even realize, cause I, I, honestly, I, I didn't even recognize his face because, I I I've never I've never seen him in person before. It was only you know just the, the online pictures.
0: Yeah, but well, I think you could be forgiven for that because you only you know met him briefly during the, the marathon. Yeah, uh, plus it
1: was when when, <laughs> Laura, when right in front of Laura. So like Laura and I were like hugging and taking pictures, and, and I was getting food, and you know it it was such a brief thing, and I feel bad because I would have I would have said more to him if I had realized who he was at the time so Matt if you're listening uh, I really do apologize for 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 blowing that one and uh, we do gotta we do gotta meet up since we are writing each other's backyard
0: <laughs> <laughs> well so there you go Joe there's an opportunity for you to improve yourself in 2016 is improve uh, you know your ability to retain people's names and uh, remember what they do and um, you know maybe there could be things you could do about that there could be whether uh, someone says you know hey my name is Danny flood and then you just Repeat that over in your head a few I usually times. Usually do you know, that. Danny, Danny flood, Danny flood, Danny flood. Or um, you know, another thing that assists with memory is uh, mnemonics, which which we use in language learning. I often use them in language learning. So you can attach like a meaning or something uh, to a name or to, to a person. So like for example, like in um, if you were learning a new language, like uh, like Thai for example, uh, if, if you want to say rice in Thai, it's cow. So it, it sounds like, like cow, like a moo, you know, like a cow that produces milk. So that, so I would, that would be a, a mnemonic. I would attach that meaning, uh, think of a cow, and then I would remember uh, the, the Thai word for rice. So, so if, if you can attach like, a meaning in your own mind that, that gives uh, a name or a person some kind of significance, some kind of symbolism, that would really help you. So like, I, I think Pardo, Joe Pardo, and I'm oh, he's the dreamers guy. He's the dreamers podcast guy. Uh, but, but like attaching, like something to reinforce that memory in your mind is called mnemonics. Mm-hmm. I find that to be very, very helpful for retaining, uh, that information.
1: Of course, that's if you get to hear the name, you know, correctly the first time around, like I said, if it's a noisy <laughs> restaurant or bar, it like, it, you know, if it's a John then that's easy, you know, Bill, that's easy. But like, it's, if it's any name that that's, you know, not super, super common, uh and 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 I miss it it's it's or or like if if there are people who are walking in front of you and they're like introducing you as you like walk forward and they kind of like turn their back to like say what they're that person to introduce you um my hearing isn't always the best so so like i'll like it'll just come out as like jarbled mess and then I'm just left hope like <laughs> hoping that somebody says that person's name so I can remember. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it, it can be tough, you know, I, I mean, I, I don't have that problem where I forget people's names, but, you know, sometimes people have exotic names, and it can be tough, but, you know, if, if you have that problem where you can't remember people's names, I mean, I look at it as an opportunity, you know, because there, there must be a reason why you're not able to remember these names, so, you know, that's a chance for you to improve your, your memory skills, perhaps. Definitely. Uh, and, and there's ways to do that, you know, like language learning, like I mentioned, you know, like mnemonics is a great way to do that, uh, and so like, in every, I think in the seed, I think there's a lesson there in that in a seed of every challenge, in the seed of every problem, there's a seed of opportunity. Excuse me. I didn't say that right. In, in every pro- challenge or problem, there's a seed of an opportunity if, if you can flesh it out.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. To reintroduce yourself to the, to the person, to, to, um, you know, make a joke and again, create an experience of, of, you know, like what you're you know, like what, what you're all about with that person. So it's, it's definitely uh, a great, it is definitely a great opportunity. And a lot of times I utilize that opportunity to, to make a joke or to, uh, poke fun at myself because you know, I I don't always hear names. I don't always hear, you know, in bars and stuff like that. Years of DJing, uh, hasn't, hasn't done a great job for me (laughs) in that department. (laughs)
0: <laughs> That's, yeah I think of people that forget names you know like maybe they're also not uh, present enough in the moment you know maybe they're they're thinking about things like they're thinking about their day or thinking about work or thinking about their family or something like that I feel like sometimes when someone doesn't remember my name they're not really focused on meeting me like their head is somewhere else it's some. it's not in that moment and I think that works against the person especially when you're meeting someone for the first time so if you can be different, a little bit different, and remember people's names, I think that's a, a, definitely an advantage, especially if it's somebody that you want to meet, you know, someone that's going to be important for what you're doing with Dreamers Podcast. You know, you, you want to make sure that that relationship gets off to a good start, you know, on the right foot, because you never get a second chance to make that first impression.
1: Right. No, de- Oh, definitely, definitely, definitely. Um... <laughs> and like I said, that's why I'm trying to get better at this, at this whole, the whole name thing. It's, it's been a soft spot for me for, for many, many years. Um, and really, really, really trying to work hard at that. Uh, but at the same time, like I said, it, 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 to me, sometimes it's, well, actually the way I, I, I go about it is, is creating a, a great a conversation, a great experience and, um, instilling a, a sense of, um, Presence in a in a conversation rather than just uh well, I remembered the person's name, so that should be enough you, you know what I mean like what are they going yeah. through and and you know trying really hard sometimes whether it's to remember things that somebody's going through or or even to sometimes put events that I, people I know are going through things in my own calendar so I can remember to go back and send them a message about it, so you know. The, again, the first impression to knowing, you know, getting to know someone better. Like I, I'd, I'd rather take the time to get to know them better than just say like, oh, I know their name, but you know, I couldn't remember that. Like their their kid is going through a a a, a big surgery or something coming up, and uh, I'm trying to you know foster a bigger relationship with that person for one reason or another. So, it, you know, it's, yeah. it's tough. Um, but, you know, again, it's important. I think, I think important. The, thing, the, most,
0: the most important things people focus on are, like, their health, their wealth, and their relationships. Um, and those are usually the things that you want to try to remember. Right. Health, wealth, and relationships. And I think, I think there's another lesson here, too, uh, from the flip side, is that maybe most of us aren't memorable enough. <laughs> hmm. You know? Maybe, maybe most of us aren't memorable enough. That's, that's why it's easy for people to forget us, forget who we are. And if that's the case, then why aren't we memorable? Are we not doing enough with our life? Or do we not have an important enough mission in our life? Um, are we not standing out? You know, maybe there's ways we could stand out so that people will remember us. And it's actually funny because when I first came here to Bangkok, it was like four years ago in 2012. And I went to Vietnam for two months. I rode a motorcycle across Vietnam. I came back with this straw hat, you know, like the Lord Raiden hat. And when I came back to Bangkok, you know, people remember me. I came back, you know, two years later and they're, hey, I remember you because we still had that hat. You know, so that was the way that I stood out. I was different. It was branding. And I know that um, uh, what's his name, the 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 found, uh, Keith Ferrazzi, he wrote Never Eat Alone, and he talks about branding, and he said that you know for the first few years when I was doing public speaking, I was the bow tie guy. People everybody remember because I wore this bow tie, this kind of goofy bow tie. I don't wear it anymore, but but that's how I stood out. That's how I was memorable, and and people remember Keith Ferrazzi. So you know obviously if he's an author, he wants people to remember him. Uh, maybe there's an opportunity for you to just somehow be a little bit different. And that that's the way that people can remember you. So you are memorable enough.
1: Definitely. And, and that's, you know, uh, well, you know, it's its like this, right? So uh, when I introduce myself, it's always Joe Pardo. It's not just Joe. Because there's tons of Joes out there, and, and I'm specifically <laughs> Joe Pardo. Now, there is a handful of Joe Pardos out there. In fact, funny story, there was a Joe Pardo running the race who's two years younger than me uh from like Jacksonville, Florida or somewhere in Florida uh who ran the marathon this past weekend. Um and he ran a heck of a lot faster than I did, but uh he probably trained. Um but you know, it's just it's just new. In fact, uh was it there was a Joe Pardo from Spain who who reached out to me a little while ago uh to just you know because he googled his name to see what would come up and and it was mostly my stuff and he was super happy that somebody you know was do with with you know sharing the name was doing something cool with it <laughs> but you know just as a side story there um danny before we uh wrap up here and let people know how they can connect with you uh is there any last thoughts you'd like to share
0: yeah. So, what, what do I want to leave people with? Uh, that's a really tough one because there's there's so much we talked about during this interview, and uh, to encapsulate everything that we discussed into uh, you know one really profound statement is, is a bit difficult. But uh, seeing us how this is the Dreamers podcast, um, I kind of walk you through like a template I've created uh, in the introduction to my my book, uh, Buy Your Own Island, um, as far as you know setting and achieving your dream goals. Uh, when I when I do the dream landing exercise, like from the, the four-hour work week, for example, um, I'll focus on goals that are uh, that I can achieve in three to six months, you know, short-term goals. If it's too far in the future, it's not really a goal. It's more of a vision. It's more of a direction. It's a, it's a mission. Uh, but goals should be specific. They should be actionable. Uh, they should be really – specific is really important. You know, you don't want to say that I want to get healthy. I want to – uh, lose 10 pounds okay so how do I do that you know what's the, the shortest route to get there and I think that's really important too is to take the, the simplest shortest uh, solution to your problem and I, that's why I, I t- focus on hacks because it's so easy to get lost in the forest you know surrounded by trees and you forget where your original destination was in the first place so you know solve one, solve one solution and then move on to the next thing because the highest performing people the, the top achievers here's a secret they don't They don't struggle with the same issue for years you know they, they just they just figure out what it is they get it done, and then they do it and that that's, comes down to your integrity. It comes down to do you do what you say you're going to do, and if not, you know you need to to make sure that you hold yourself accountable and, and there's ways to do that you can share your goals with other people you can create your own mastermind. I had a mastermind group for three years uh, where we share our goals with each other and say you know how can we help you? I want to help you they help me. Um, you know, that, that makes things happen. So realize that dreams don't have to be dreams. If, if you give them a timeline, if you break them down into specific steps and then you just do them and then, you know, that's, that's how you make it reality.
1: That's beautiful, man. I, I agree. I, uh, I try to set goals usually within three to six months, six months at the top. Um, and then the vision is, is usually longer than that. Things I'd like to do. And sometimes they, they, uh, you know, they go to the Evernote, you know, folder, my my Evernote, and they just get filed away in a folder for things I'd like to do in the future. But, you know, don't have time right now for one reason or another. And, uh, you know, sometimes they get, I, I go in there and I pull things out and I'm like, huh, all right. Like I can do this thing uh, first and that's my goal for, you know, one to two to three months. And then I have my options open for the next, you know, the next, the next one to three months after that. For the you know for the next project, and uh, sometimes it gets shuffled around, but you you have to you have to know where you want to go and how you want to live and all that, and that's that's you know a big theme in one of my uh, in my second book.
0: So, you know, it's yeah, that's a a great point. I think think it's important to have a vision and goals, uh, but to understand the difference between each. Uh, You know, a vision is kind of like your driving purpose in life. So whether it's you know like your higher purpose, you know what you want to leave on the earth. Um, but goals can become impotent and they can fade you know, with time. And, and they should. That's the way they should be. Uh, but, but they should be short-term goals. You know, they should be three months. They should be six months. Um, and I think it's really important to, to really think big, to dream big, and you know, think what are the maybe two or three goals I have that would change everything, that would completely change my life, you know, that are so audacious that I can't even imagine them now and i think if if you have those kinds of goals then you're you're doing something worthwhile
1: yeah yeah definitely well i mean you you got to do what's right for you and and that's what you got to figure out like what what your purpose is and what you know what kind of impact you want to leave on the earth and uh it's not always an easy thing to do but it's you know cuz sometimes people you don't really ask yourself until you know maybe not too late but you know later in the game then you probably should have early on, but if if you're not, uh, if that's not instilled in you from, from a younger age, then it's tough. I mean, it was tough for me to figure that out, you know, figure out what, what, what is it that you want to do, Joe? No. Um, no, I had to go and figure all that out way later in the game, (laughs) way later in the game. And, uh, you know, it took a little time, but I, I sped up the process as much as I could because I like to do things fast, um, the best that I can.
0: Yeah, and there's, there's really no way to, to know what, you, what you're calling is, what you, want, what you want to do. I mean, you just have to get out there and you have to try things. You have to get in the muck and get your hands dirty. And it's, it's kind of like this concept which I talk about sometimes is uh, separation. You know, like in a tribal culture, warrior culture, like uh, Sparta, for example, uh, the boy, the young boy will be taken from his family, from his mother, and you know, put out into the wild and forced to survive on his own. And that's, that's how he, he becomes a man. That's how he learns what he needs to thrive in life, you know, through that hardship, through that adversity, you know, being out in the wilderness, learning how to survive, learning how to hunt, um, how to catch food, how to uh, create a shelter. Uh, you know, and that's, that's how you learn. You have to put yourself out there in the world because nothing happens in your comfort zone. If you stay there, you're not making growth. You have to push beyond the boundary of your comfort zone because that's where the growth happens. And sometimes it's really uncomfortable. Sometimes it's really uh it's fraught with uncertainty, but that's where all the biggest growth happens.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, well again, that's that goes back to experience and and that's where you learn. Uh making those mistakes and those you know, things that went right, things that didn't go right and learning from them. All right. Well, I would love for uh for you to share how people can connect with you, Danny.
0: Okay, yeah, so if you want to connect with me, my email address is danny at openworldmag.com. I'm also on Facebook. Uh, I have a Facebook group called Worldwide Digital Nomads. Uh, <laughs> if you have a question about online entrepreneurship, you know, you can go on that group and post a question. Um, you can check out my blog, openworldmag.com. I also have a podcast where I interview uh, some of the most inspirational lifestyle designers, uh, people doing extraordinary things, normal people like you and me, um, and, and you know, find out how they did it, you know, what was going on through their mind, what struggles did they overcome to manifest and become who they are. They, they made their dream reality, and how did they do it? So how can we do the same? Um, and also my books. Uh, I'm on Amazon, so if you, you search uh, Amazon, Danny Flood, uh, you can find my books. Um, I have my, my first book, Buy Your Own Island. It's a great primer. If, uh, if you have you know, goals, dreams that are stirring you up inside and you need a plan to make them happen, I feature a lot of people in there who are doing exactly that. Uh, I also have books uh, that are business books. Um, Hack Sleep to Improve your, your Sleep, which I think is a superpower. I have a book called uh, Hack Email, which uh, is about how to build your brand and, and create the relationships you want. I have a book called Hack Upwork about freelancing. And another one, Hack Your Mind to Become Bulletproof. So you can find those books on Amazon. They're maybe like $2.99. Uh and I hope that you you find it's a good read and uh really enjoy it. Awesome.
1: Yeah, well I will uh have links to that in uh in the show notes for people to go find at how to Oh
0: and I have an audiobook, uh a free audiobook download. Um maybe we could put a link to that as well. You can you can get the audiobook for my book, Buy Your Own Island, uh for free.
1: Oh, awesome. Yeah, definitely. Uh just send me over the link and I'll I'll add that in the show notes as well.
0: Great. Thanks so much, Joe. This was a really long conversation, but uh it just flew by. You know, there's so much we had to chat uh so much we talked about and uh i think it was it was good how do you feel
1: yeah no i feel great i i think i hope i <laughs> hope that hope that uh all the dreamers out there feel the same way i'm i'm pretty confident that they do or will uh when this drops but i uh i really appreciate you taking the time i mean i <laughs> it's you know what's funny is when i have uh when i have authors on on or or like like bloggers on the show usually the conversation does go a lot longer than than uh, most other other niches um, people you know people in other niches. I guess uh, authors yeah. just just they just like to talk. <laughs> they like to be re- <laughs> well not just like to talk, but like really descriptive and like really in depth with what they're what they're saying. You know,
0: articulate, perhaps.
1: Yeah. uh, Yeah. It's probably the word that I was, you know, it's almost midnight now. So that is probably the word I was searching for. Uh, So thank you again, Danny. I really appreciate you uh, coming on. I'd love to have you on again sometime.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much, Joe. I really enjoyed it and uh, have a nice restful night tonight. Thank you. uh, (laughs) I'm about to go run and uh, grab some lunch. Have some nice Thai food here. Dude, uh, I wish we
1: had Thai food around here. (laughs) (laughs) You have authentic Thai food everywhere.
0: Come here. I eat it every single day.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Love it. Absolutely love it. Well, thank you again, Danny.
0: Thanks, Joe. Take care.
1: Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Dreamers Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Dreamers Podcast join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash
2: dreamers podcast. If you or someone you know would like to be a
1: guest on the dreamers podcast, please send an email to j at jpar.co. This podcast is copyright 2014 by jpar.co.